welcome to the latest United We Stand podcast. I'm Andy Mitten. This podcast is brought to you by Improve Easy. Improve Easy are helping United fans across the country save money on their energy bills by installing home improvement measures such as free solar panels, free boilers and free insulation. All you need to do is text the word EASY to 60777 to see if you qualify for government funds. That's E-A-S-Y to 60777. Why not give it a go? You might be missing out. Several listeners to this podcast have already well on the way to receiving free solar panels, for example. The sun ain't shining, is it, Steve Black? full of hope. I don't think we, um, you know, I think we had our own scenarios on how we were going to get result out today. I think mine was uh, holding till half time with them just having one man sent off. Just after half time, two more would get sent off. Um, we'd scored twice quickly. Um, they wouldn't want to lose three 0 so they'd stick on a load of uh, substitutes in there. Eight men would defend for the rest of the game, and we'd win two 0 I think that was the only chance I thought that we'd have. Um, given one one look at the lineup um, that we were putting out, how we were expected to win Derby with that lineup. Um, three centre backs in defence um, and Dollar. Uh, the midfield uh, with McTominay and Eriksson, um, and an out of form Fernandes, and then the strike force with nothing particularly very wide, um, and an out of form Rashford. I think Coyland's um, got makings of a very, very good player. Why Eric and Hardwinski can take him off when leaving others on the pitch, I have no idea. But you've no one really with any great passion on that side, have you? Just started a Derby game. And okay, I get you've got a game plan. I get that you think, all right, just let them play out there with a little ticky tacky 150 passes and getting nowhere and stay, you know, and, and stay in your blocks. Don't let them pass through the space and into the spaces that they've got. And, and I get you might want to do that, but you have to try and win a game sometimes. And all we were going to do is hang on until they scored. It was a bright first six minutes. Then after that, well, nothing. No, um, when the rains came, I think, on their third goal, when everyone, you know, and a lot of people went, it was the inevitable, wasn't it? I don't know. Apart from perhaps people injecting, I don't know anyone who actually gave us a chance today. Well, I, I didn't. I, I was put on the BBC on Friday with um, the city correspondent for the Manchester Evening News and he said, how do you think it'll go on? I said, I cannot see United having a chance here. And he went, well, I disagree. I think United have got a very good chance and he gave the opposite view, but I, I predicted 3-1. It was it was 3-0. Where were you inside the ground today, Steve? Just inside the strip, but then just to the side of the TRA. How would you describe the atmosphere there today? I thought it was flat. I thought the, the team that was picked, the team that began, the team that played, flattened us a great deal. I thought, I thought to the credit, uh, Stratford and the TRA were very good. Last 15 minutes when half the ground had disappeared and right up to the final whistle, I thought it was very, very, I thought it was a good support. You know, they sang, they sang the lungs out, the ones that were left, and there was a good number in that section left of, uh, to the right side of the Stratford end and to the Stratford end. I think I think it is, you know. Whereas most people had wandered out of the ground on that third goal, I don't know, in disgust or in just that. I don't think it was particularly disgust. I think it was just in the inevitability of it's hard to watch your neighbours be so far ahead of you 
City are a good side. Let's not, you know, we would expect to be beaten by any side that was that good at the moment. But I don't think what we can accept is the standard of the players and their efforts and their passion or lack of it. And I, Andy, I've been the one that said, look, give give Eric Ten Hag for three, four, five years and let him build and let's see what he can do. Um, I'm just wondering. I, ca I can't see. I can't see how he thinks that's good enough. Those substitutions and how to affect a game and how to start with some of those players. What is he seeing in training that we're not on a, on a Saturday or a Wednesday or whenever we're, you know we're playing? What, what's he seeing out there? I don't see it. I don't get it. All of a sudden, I, I like. I thought last year we strides looked good. You know, we good cut runs, won good games, came coming good. Yes, I know we've had injuries, but surely there's a way of playing that all players can then come into the side to play. And it just seems that, oh, all right, we're changing it today. We won't play Anthony wide. We won't play another player on left, you know, particularly wide. We'll go sort of two down the centre and we'll stick a, you know, midfielder out wide who's our captain, who is not having the best of seasons, just to fling balls into nobody in particular. Oh, and we'll put Ericsson in, you know, who, who three, four years ago, would love to have had at Old Trafford. Great to have him when he did, but you know, poor, the poor guy has come back from the dead and we're relying on him to, to resurrect our season, never mind, you know, his own career. And then we've got Scott McTominay, who scores a couple of goals because he's giddy and gets in some positions late on, but he's not a starter, for goodness sake. He doesn't affect anything in the game. Playing, and all of a sudden I'm looking at our centre-halves and thinking, we knew Varane was injured most of our season. We knew that Martinez was coming back from a foot injury and of course he's picked up another one and we pick up Johnny Evans a man who I said he should never play for the club again after the 6-1 when he got sent off a man who against Milton Keynes donned and our 4-0 defeat didn't put in a tackle the entire game and we've invited him back and he's a bit of a cult hero all of a sudden and I'm sure he's a jolly nice lad and I know his dad's a big United fan and great but you know my dad was a big United fan I don't think I should be playing I don't think I could do any worse at this point, but I don't think I should be playing. And I'm sorry that's not good enough that you that, that you've got your heart into United anymore, is it? You know, Scott McTominay, I get it that he loves United. Johnny Evans, I'm sure that he does love United, but they're not good enough to play. You know, we're playing Lindelof at left back. For goodness sake. There's been ten, there's been there's been ten games, Steve. United have lost lost five of them. United are seven points off off fifth now. I think the goal difference is is minus five. You've been at all ten of them games, home and away. I can't think of good. Mo I can think of like moments within games. Has there been a good performance in them ten matches? Out of ten, you're right. Moments, isn't it? Moments. First half at Spurs. No, but let's stick to this year. Out of t out of ten matches, has there been a single good performance? Uh, Palace was in the cup. That was a decent performance. We've lost two out of the three in Europe and haven't played well in in any of those three matches. And in the league, I'm struggling to think. United have only beaten teams by one goal. Not beaten a team in the top nine. The teams who've been defeated are all towards the bottom of the table. And that's why I fully expected United to get completely outclassed in the Manchester derby, as is what happened. I know there are serious injuries. I know that any football team without some of the best players 
is going to struggle. But I just didn't see it being this bad at all. Did you? No, I didn't see it being this bad. And you're right, because if you look at the Wolves game, the first game of the season, they ran right through us. And you thought, hold on, this is a team that obviously have got a bit of passion and spirit. They've got a new manager. They're going to want to play for him. But it was more than that. There was gaping holes through our midfield that you thought, ooh, some team, if we don't get this right soon, is going to really exploit those. So we've done that. So you look at the Wolves game, we were lucky to win it in many ways. You go to the Brentford game where Tom May Kane scored twice since I'm added on. <sighs> All right, we probably didn't deserve to lose it. I get that. But we didn't really deserve to smash them, did we? We didn't actually go gone through. There was a jet out jail card. So there's two more games that we've actually won that we shouldn't have done. So you five out of ten could easily be a lot worse, couldn't it? Yeah, easily. I mean, what if what if Wolves, what if Wolves would have got a penalty, which they deserve? What if Copenhagen would have scored that penalty the other night? It could be looking even worse. Oh, it could be, and that's what I said. I mean, today, if you go into the dark, you going into you go if you go in to a game like this one. Let's forget it's Manchester City just for a minute. I know we can't, and we can't for obvious reasons. But let's just say we're going to play the top of the league, and. Well, they're not top, but you know what I mean. The team that are supposed to be the, the team to beat, which they are. You're going in to beat them and you go, right, you know what? There's going to be a tough game here. We could lose it, but we might get a result and we'll all look for it if we do and everything like that. We went into this game flat knowing that absolutely we had not a hope in, and didn't have a hope in Halloween in this game. We knew it. We knew it before we even saw the lineup, and we saw the lineup and went, oh, for God's sake. It's ridiculous. Right? Harlan gets a hat-trick. Harlan is, is, is a good player. But he's totally overrated in every sense of the word. Because if Alan Shearer played for Manchester City, he'd scored 100 goals this season or last season. If you put Alan Shearer in that Manchester City team, he scores 20, 30, 40 goals more than Haaland. You get that. I'm not saying Haaland isn't a good player or a very good player, but he's playing in a team that knows how to play him because they play to a system and they play away. So you know, playing, playing bugs me to say it, but playing them at the moment, at any time, you know you're in for a very, very tough game. But you expect to win those other games or at least see some kind of progress from last year. And what we've seen <coughs> is them go completely backwards with no idea on what's the next going to happen. Because all we know is that after between 60 and 70 minutes, there's some substitutions going to be made. And probably our striker, who's our brightest hope at the moment, and I think he's really unlucky, gets lumped off. And Marcus Rashford, who was good last year, I get that he was good last year, he didn't have any choice, did he, because no one else could, was going to score any goals, is left up there looking forlorn, out of sorts, with no confidence whatsoever. So we've lumped him off for someone else. And then we're thinking, right, well, what should we do now? We're going to completely change the way that we play all of a sudden? Because now we're gone, we've gone with Ganacho on the wing, who should be getting a, a longer run. And I overheard all this nonsense about, oh, he doesn't do it when he starts a game. Look at his age. Give him a chance to come into the side. We're old enough to remember Giggs' first few games and the way that, that Alex Wilson protected him and the way, that, the way that he didn't always play, you know, but, and he didn't always have a great game. But we stuck with him and he ended up, you know, because he had to learn his trade. How does a young player like that learn his trade? And the worry is with, team, with players like Palestri, who's not had a run, Ganacho, who's not had a run, and those sort of players, is that they go, well, I'll just go abroad and play. Because they're not Manchester lads, and they're not the United fans who might stay. You know, we, we are so lucky. We, you know, we're lucky. You look at Bobby Charlton, all right, apart from the end of his career when he went to Preston, etc. But Bobby Charlton stayed his career at United. You know, we've got Ryan Giggs' career at United. 
Paul Scholes' career at United. Those are players who wanted to play for Manchester United and they were getting the chance and okay, they were in good sides. But you're not going to ask the likes of Ganacho, Palestri and all those. So we want to get the best out of them now. We're not supposed to be developing them for... Are they good enough, Steve? Are they good enough? Or do you think they can be good enough? I think Ganacho could be good enough. He's a wonderful young talent. But we don't know, do we? We don't know if Palestri's going to be good enough. You know, we're hoping this. We're relying on Kovinainu coming through because we've been told he's great. I'm lucky I get to see a few though. You know, I go and watch him and, and I watch the young women and, and stuff like that play sometimes. And Manu looks like it, maybe he looks like he could be a very good player. But how are we supposed to know? But he can't be worse than what we've got. Surely we should be. Um, oh, I'm rubbish at names, aren't I? But the lad that came on the other week. Uh, Dan Gore. Yeah. Hmm. What, 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 why? He, he did very well. Did he do anything wrong? Are you telling me he's not as good as Scott McTominay? Are you telling me he's not as effective as that McTominay, um, Ericsson sort of like pivot that, that's going on there at the moment? I think probably in the eyes of the manager. I, I, I just don't think he thinks they're ready to be playing. I mean, Palestri started some games at the start of this season, was were, were, were so so. I mean, where, do you, where, where does United's season go? From here, what what is a successful season from the point where we're at now, at the end of November? We've got Newcastle on Wednesday. We've got Fulham on Saturday. Top top six, you know. It's. No, I don't. I don't think we're. We can't. Surely we can't be as bad as that. Well, we have been. We have been all season, Steve. Been bad all season. We're not. We can't. But we can't be this bad. There's obviously something completely wrong. They've, they've got to click sooner or later, surely. Well, let's look at the positives today. The goalkeeper today looked like actually the goalkeeper. Yeah. Okay. He, he had a good game, didn't he? I'm interested to see what. You've got, you've got some confidence coming there. Okay. I'm interested to see what other positives you're going to pick out. <laughs> um, it sort of the the rain stopped. <laughs> the pies at half time. <laughs> They've cooled down. That's tea sort of layer. Now, um, the positive this season are going to be that we will go on an unbeaten run. Varane will come back. Martinez will come back. I thought Eric Ten Hag was one for giving youth the chance. And I've been disappointed to see that he hasn't given as much youth a chance as I thought he would. Because you look at that Ajax side that he, you know, that, that he was part of played this nice seemingly nice football maybe we just saw it in snapshots and maybe that's a problem we've seen snapshots of other people there's a snapshot a lovely ollie ball someone put on twitter the other day and i know it's no good but there was probably about a dozen goals or so on it and he thought god i wish we could play like that again now but i do remember there were times of absolute stagnation and stale we're at the stagnation stale part of this now i think that like last season we started to come good Maybe, maybe we get a few injuries back. Maybe we get a bit of team spirit back. I think we have to beat Newcastle on Wednesday. And I mean that in the way that if he stays in the cup, we've got something to look forward to. We've got something to get them up. We've got something to try and have an aspiration of actually winning a trophy or keeping a trophy or whatever. I think in terms of the league, I think you have to get top five. And I think United are capable of getting top five. I watched Newcastle yesterday. I don't normally watch a lot of other football. But I saw them... Um, Today. They're not a great side. They, they're not. They're not. They're okay going forward. They've got a lumpy centre forward who's completely overrated. 
got a dodgy penalty. They're not great defending. Hope's not as good as Dalton was last year. I don't think that they need to be in there. I think we're better than them. Okay, okay. get that top spot. Okay. we can do, if we can keep in the League Cup and get a good get a good draw after beating them on Wednesday, we can keep our season alive like that. The danger is we go out on Wednesday and the danger is we go down to Fulham and we watch one of our ex-players tear us apart. Andreas. Our ex-players tear us apart. Yeah, he's a good player. Yeah, he is a good player. Where will he fit into this team now? Because he, he might actually be doing a lot better than some of the players that we've got in that team now. I know we're on real negatives. We've just been beating my city. Of course we feel fed up. And of course we're going to say things that are a bit reactionary in terms of but it's not good enough, is it? And I, and I worry about Eric Tanag now and his picking of players when actually if he thinks that those players that he brought in a substitute are ever going to change that game. Because the game plan was to put it up to Hoyland, to hold it up, to play off him. And we and then he lumps him off. So they've got no game plan on there. And we haven't got, we've got, we haven't got a captain on the pitch, unfortunately. Bruno's not a captain like that, is he? We haven't got an intelligent player who can actually change things around. As the manager asks him to do it. Steve. We're gonna, I'm going to speak to some of the United fans as part of this podcast. I thank you for your time and I'll probably see you at Craven Cottage at the weekend. You will indeed and we'll just enjoy um, a fine victory and we'll laugh this off because we all fall Well, Jim White, what did you make of that? Uh, we we're getting used to pretty miserable results, aren't we? I mean, you know, that Liverpool result last season, the the stuffing at, uh, at the Etihad uh, last season, the the game against Liverpool at home, uh, you know, away at Brentford. We're getting used to it, but for some reason, I I thought that once Ten Hag got his foot on under the table, they were going to disappear, but. Today it was it, it was it was the the gap in class between the two sides was really alarming and uh, United just looked completely off it. There was an interesting thing um, said in the build up about how you beat City. You've got to take your chances, and you know in those early couple of minutes uh, they they needed to take one of those chances. Hoyland needed to take his chance when he ran uh, very bravely from the halfway line. Bore down on them, but he slightly mistouched his um, uh, his, his second touch, and, and and the chance was gone. Rashford missed. Uh, McTominay, to be fair, put a decent shot in, but the the keeper got there. If you don't do that, you've you've got no chance to get City because they just create and create and create, and the gap was oh god, it was awful. It was woeful by the end. Uh, here's how bad it was, Andy. About with about. 70 minutes to go I was just praying that we got away with 2-0 defeat obviously that never came to anything but that was the limit of my ambition was can we get away with a 2-0 defeat who's at fault here Jim I just think the club's in a in, in a in a rotten state um I mean, you can't. You you can blame the Glazers for so much. You can't really blame them for the players not performing. But you know, you and I were having a little chat earlier in the day about Jude Bellingham, and uh, you know, I remember the time when the very best young players that were out there that people were talking about ended up at Man United: Rio Ferdinand, Wayne Rooney, Cristiano Ronaldo. Big big names came to United, and they came to United because of one thing, 
Sir Alex Ferguson and the promise of glory that he came associated with. That has been lost completely. So we're now getting players, you know, we're not in the market for Bellingham. We weren't in the market for Haaland. Uh, you know, we weren't in the market for Kane. Though I don't, I don't understand why, given that he apparently fancied coming to Old Trafford. We haven't got the great leader. We haven't got the track record. We can't do it. So we're getting in players who just aren't good enough and we're paying them an awful lot of money. You know, I, Mason Mount, I mean, I remember Juan Mata when he was at Chelsea, uh, you know, he won the European Cup for them, came to United and basically disappeared. Looks as though the same's happening to Mount. He won the European Cup for him. He, he, he gave the pass, uh, the, he gave the assist that got the goal that won them the European Cup against City. I mean, he's just disappeared. There's something rotten in the culture. So we've got a double thing. We've got players who aren't good enough being paid way too much and not delivering on a consistent basis. And we've got not the best players. So you've got this, it's a kind of, it's a kind of desperate situation, really. Uh, and, you know, all this talk of Sir Jim Ratcliffe coming in, he's going to shake it up, etc., etc. You know, it's extraordinary, isn't it? Radcliffe apparently was going to put his bid in and the board was going to approve it, according to clearly sources coming from Radcliffe. Nothing. Nothing is happening. We still don't know. Nothing is happening. The Glazers just kick everything down the road. The last thing that, even if Radcliffe takes over, he's going to invest $1.5 billion into the club. No, he's not. He's going to invest $1.5 billion into the pockets of the Glazer family. The club is still going to be in the same position. It's still going to have a massive debt overhanging it. It's still going to need its infrastructure upgraded. And, and there's talk clearly from his people that, no, 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 he's going to take over the football. He's going to sort it out. The, the Glazers won't let him. You know, the, by this relentless radio silence that they have on everything, It'll just get kicked down the road. You know, we're, I reckon we'll still be talking about is Is, is Jim Radcliffe going to take over in January, I reckon? It is what they do. Everything is reactionary. Everything's kicked. The can is kicked down the road further and further. How are you feeling about Eric, Eric Ten Hag at the moment? Well, I, I, I think basically there's... There's no point getting rid of the manager because it's the same bunch of players who aren't good enough. It's all those situations I talked about, about no longer being able to attract the finest players, all that. Um, but, you know, you could argue that Tottenham are in the same position uh, when Antonio Conte left in the summer and Ange Postacoglu's just given them a bit, of, a bit of oomph and a bit of go there. Ten Hag just seems to be banging his head against the brick wall Issues with the players. The players don't seem to be behind him. There's too many wrong-uns in that dressing room, frankly, Andy. And, and and I just feel I'm not sure he's getting anywhere. He's had to be pragmatic. He can't stick to his principles. And, you know, how many how many good games have United played this season? Seriously, how many? One? One. I'm not even sure it's that, is it? One against Palace in the League Cup? Correct. I think that's it, isn't it? Correct. It's been awful. And And, you know... It's been absolutely dreadful. And, and you know, I was hoping, I was optimistic that Ten Hag would turn it around. But actually, when you go back to it, United weren't great after the 
League Cup final were they last no. season? They were really good for periods up till that point, and then it's it's been at drift since then. And I, I'm I'm not sure Ten Hag has got to grips with it. And the problem is, I'm not sure anybody could. That's the real issue. What have you made of his recruitment? Well, it's not been good enough, has it? I mean, Anthony, huge amounts of money paid for him and he just comes on and sulks against City today. Didn't didn't pull his finger out in any, in any shape or form. Holland, I think, looks a good player, but he's raw. He needs time and he needs a settled side. Uh, Mount, well, as I've said, disappeared. Amrabat seems to be constantly getting injured. Varane's constantly injured. Martinez constantly injured. Anana looked good today. Can't blame him for the goals and made a couple of great saves. So maybe he'll be the one that will uh, be the uh, exception that proves the rule. But underwhelmed so far. What would be success for United this season? Not getting relegated, Andy, I think. <laughs> um, well, they've got... <sighs> I mean, I'm fearful about Wednesday. Uh, I can't see him beating Newcastle unless Newcastle put out a second-string team. I mean, but even then, you know, who is there in United who's going to take the game by the by the throat in the way that Jude Bellingham did for Real Madrid against Barcelona at the weekend? I mean, you look at Jude Bellingham. Why is he not at United? Why were we not even? Serious. I know that. I know vague noises were made that attempts were made to get him. But why would he want to come? You know. I know. And why would Harry Kane want to come? But Manchester United is seemingly still attractive. Maybe because that's because of the wages that the players get. But are we not in an all too familiar pattern here, where new manager comes in, spirits are lifted, maybe win a trophy. You think that a corner's been turned, and then a slump. It is familiar. That's exactly what happened with Mourinho. Uh, although Ollie didn't win any trophies, he, he seemed to get the spirit back in there. Uh, you know, it, it it's just... It is, yeah. It's another slump, isn't it? Uh, I mean, I can't see the point of getting rid of the manager because the circumstances would be the same whoever take takes over. Uh, this is just a... a, a a failing club from top to bottom. And that's only going to change when the ownership changes. And uh, regrettably, I don't think that's going to happen now. You've not got much faith in this Jim Ratcliffe idea? The idea that it's the only deal that can be done, that it's a pathway to full control, or do you just think the Glazers will play everyone? Oh, I have, I've, I've, I've no doubt that's his ambition. Uh, I'm sure that's right. But, you know... He's still not actually had the board approval to make his 25% um, takeover beer. Never mind the rest of it. I think that's all fanciful. Yeah, he might want that. Yeah, he may be a man in, 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 in impatient to get on with it. But you're dealing with people who are just extraordinary in their lethargy. Andy, I was talking to the guy from Populous, the, uh, the, the, the architects uh, who did the the Tottenham Stadium. And if you remember last last year, they were brought in and asked to do some sort of um, idea about how... Master planners. Be revived. They are the appointed master, master, planners. master planners for planners. Old Trafford. So this was their head guy, right? He told me he gave an hour-long presentation. Three, three options. 
lick of paint, half re redo the south stand, complete rebuild. This is what it'll cost. This is what it'll do. You've got to do something quick because the whole of, you know, like the electrics and everything is decaying at Old Trafford. It's, it's got to be sorted out. Did an hour-long presentation. Now, remember, he'd done uh, the Tottenham Stadium and uh, he, he, he was saying that Daniel Levy at Tottenham, it was on, you know, every dot, every, every tap, everything he wanted to know about. He wanted to know about everything. He said he was the most excruciatingly difficult client he'd had. So he does this presentation to Joel Glazer, the board, etc. At the end of it, Joel Glazer says, thank you. He goes, any questions? No, I don't think so. You'll be hearing from us. Not heard another word. That's the way they operate. How depressing. Just don't do anything. Just kick it down the road, you know. Oh, and by the way, what are populists doing now? Oh, yeah, they're building that new uh, indoor arena at, uh, at the Etihad. They're building the new North Stand at the Etihad. They're building all the, the, the whole swathe of facilities around the North Stand at the Etihad. And by the way, they're doing that. That's actually happening. They're one of the most respected stadium companies in the world. And they're treated as if they've been ghosted. It's like, it's like a social media ghosting. It's bizarre, isn't it? Just shaking my head, Jim. Sorry, mate. Oh, so I don't even know what's going to happen here. I've got a game against Newcastle on Wednesday. Fulham. United can't beat decent sides to get... Single vi single goal victories over teams at the bottom of the table, but up until February, as you were saying, the team were good. We're beating top teams with decent yeah, at Old Trafford. Yeah. Won a cup. Just, that game against Barcelona just, in February away was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 really really difficult. But you know, you have situations where you have. Players effectively downing tools. You have players, you know, shaking their heads on the on the, on the bench when they're not they're not their name doesn't go on the board. Their number doesn't go on the board. It's just a lack of cohesion and team spirit there, which I think will undermine you. You have a period where things go well, and it, you know, then it all goes wrong. I mean, the one recruit we haven't talked about is Casimiro, mm. uh, who was at the heart of that revival last year. You've got to say. Uh, and has not been good this season. And I don't know why. People say his legs have gone. Respect to people say his legs have gone, but does he just switch off in the summer? Just weird, isn't it? He seemed so motivated. He seemed as though I am personally going to take charge for Manchester United revival. I am going to have that on my CV as the final thing. I'm going to return this club to where it should be. And to a degree, he did that. We saw how he could do that. And, and, and that's sort of gone out the window. Maybe he just looked around and thought, well, I'm wasting my time here. Jim, I thank you for your time as ever. Sorry, mate. I wish I could have been a bit more optimistic. But so that's it for this podcast. I'm sorry it had to be like this. I did expect it, unfortunately. We've finished a new fanzine off. It's out against Newcastle. It's being printed. Your deadline... To subscribe for the next 10 issues, which is only £39 if you're in the UK, a bit more for postage if you're outside, is Monday evening. So um, 
I realise enthusiasm's probably low right now. But we're printing it and we'll be on the streets outside Old Trafford on Wednesday and Fulham on Saturday as well. Apologies for some of the um, sound technical issues with this podcast. It was just the way we had to record it straight away after the game. Until next time, goodbye.